Welcome, welcome, welcome back in to another episode of the Red Chips Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dalton Pence. A lot of stuff to talk about this episode, but before we get started, be sure to check us out on Twitter at Red Chips Podcast. You can follow me at DPence underscore. And as always, the Red Chips Podcast is a part of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. You can check that Twitter page out at the state of Lou. That's the state of L O U. A lot of good content coming out there uh, from the pink seats. A lot of good episodes. Uh, Matt McGavick has a baseball pod that's just gotten published. Forgive me, Matt. I forget the name of it. it might be Third and Central. Um, you know, Jacob and Matt host a good podcast from the pink seats. You can go over there for all of your football needs. And Presley Meyer and I believe Will Reddington hosts a basketball podcast. You'll have to forgive me, Press, because I forget that as well. The names. I'm terrible with names. But let's get to the pod. It has been quite some time. The last recorded episode was early January, which I apologize. There really just hasn't been a lot of recruiting news. No commitments in both football nor basketball up until the past week. But I apologize before we get into this, because I, you know, I keep saying, you know, I've got a mic on order, and I've got a mic on order. I really do. I have a new mic on order that I took it. I took advantage of a deal on Amazon a couple months ago, and you know, the the estimated arrival was a couple weeks, and then it got back ordered, and then they blamed it on COVID, which I'm not saying they're lying. It's just a little frustrating. Uh, so you'll have to bear with. Uh, less than exceptional audio quality for this podcast. But what is good is the content that we're going to be talking about, a new addition to both the football and the basketball team, and then we'll wrap it up with a little talk about some players to watch um, here in the future in the, in the Kentucky area for the Cardinals moving forward in the next couple of recruiting cycles. Let's start right right away. Uh, Louisville football Last episode, we talked about some possible quarterback recruits that uh, could be on the horizon for the cards in the 2022 cycle, which was going to be very pivotal because of the fact that as of right now, the only quarterbacks on the roster, Malik Cunningham, Evan Conley, um, TJ Lewis, uh, the Georgia Southern transfer, Shy Wirtz has been converted to wide receiver. So right now, three scholarship quarterbacks in the room. Go ahead and add a new one. That is right. The Cards this past week received a commitment from Nebraska transfer Luke McCaffrey. And before you ask, yes, brother of all-pro running back and former number one overall fantasy draft pick by yours truly in this past year's draft, Christian McCaffrey, Carolina running back um, Luke the younger brother of the NFL sensation, 6'2 dual threat quarterback, um, a former four-star top 200 or top 300 player, number 257 back in the uh, 2019 class, redshirted after appearing in less than four games in the 2019 season, um, played this year through 448 completions out of 76 passes, 466 yards, a touchdown to six interception ratio. Also 
ran the ball 65 times for a grand total of 364 yards and three touchdowns. So um, a lot of similarities between him and Malik. He does have with with the with the the COVID year, McCaffrey does have four years of eligibility left. So that does kind of take a little bit of the weight off of the Louisville quarterback room. Shout out to Pete Thomas since he came in to the fold um, or. I say that like he's a new guy. Since he got a promotion, he's really been on top of the ball, offering a handful of quarterbacks, and then you know sealing the deal on this one. Um, let's let's kind of just dive on into it. You know, McCaffrey is a dual threat quarterback, and um, you know if you look at what he did at Nebraska this year, if if you go just based upon the stats, you you kind of cringe a little bit when you look at that. Uh, one touchdown to six interceptions, completed just under 67% of his passes, um, and threw for less than 500 yards. So, you know, a lot of people ask me, um, you know, why, why why is this a good thing? I mean, he had to transfer from Nebraska. Uh, obviously wasn't good enough to play at Nebraska. Why is he coming here? I think, I think you, you have to kind of break it down a little bit. First of all, Nebraska in itself is kind of um, a struggling program. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that we're not in a sense, but uh, Nebraska, um, sometimes the direction of a program can hinder a player's production and productivity. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that it's, you know, it's one way or the other. I think it's a little bit of both. I think McCaffrey is a very raw quarterback in terms of being a, a passer. I think that he doesn't have extreme arm talent. Accuracy isn't all the way there. He's still growing, but he does have extreme athleticism that he can make plays on the ground. And like Malik Cunningham, you know, I, I talk about Malik and that he's he's an exceptional athlete. He is very gifted with his legs. He's able to make something out of nothing, uh, create when things look like it's going to be a negative loss. He actually makes it into a positive gain. I, I think McCaffrey has that same production potential. Now, when it comes to being a passer, that's kind of where we get into a little bit of uh, a more interesting discussion. I think when you, you know, going back and watching McCaffrey's not only highlights, but kind of game film, a couple things stuck out to me, and, and that's the fact that, um, he is very he you know the the potential of him being able to throw on the run really could be valuable in his um, improvement and you know um, just overall him trying to take his game to the next level. Just the fact that I feel like he's almost more accurate on the run than he is as a pocket passer. And that's kind of a little bit the opposite of Malik Cunningham, in a sense. And personally, I don't think that McCaffrey is going to start, you know, right away. Obviously, um, I think that this is Malik's job to lose. I think that they're both going to compete. Um, I think that Malik will remain the starter this year. But the good thing about it is, and what I tell people, you know, Malik Cunningham. If Malik Cunningham is your starter next year, you know that is not necessarily a bad thing. You hope he can take a step forward, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. What what was worrisome about the situation in the in that quarterback room was the fact that there were only three guys, and now you add a guy who has four years of eligibility, who you have time to be able to develop, and is able his skill set fits the system in which you run, and the you know the the option offense is able to be ran again, 
And um, I think that, that we can see McCaffrey on the field in certain packages. So I think adding a quality backup, and I'm not saying Evan Conley is not a quality backup, but in, in the COVID times, you know, injuries happen, you know, you, you never know. I guarantee COVID's going to be around the 2021 season. So you have to factor that. There's so much uncertainty. Adding another, you know, potential starting caliber quarterback to your quarterback room is not a bad thing. I think that this is a very good move. Uh, shout out to Satterfield and company. I still think that, um, you know, the cards go after one quarterback in the 2022 class just for the future. Um uh, with with the low numbers, I, I don't think that it's going to be a, a two-quarterback class. Speaking of high school recruits, for those who weren't aware, um, I mentioned a couple guys on the last episode. A.J. Duffy has since cut his list of four. The cards did not make the cut. Uh, Gavin Wimsett seems like more of a long shot. You know, the cards will continue to recruit him, and they're still in the running. I just personally think that, um, you know, with him being such a high-caliber recruit, the closer we get to um, the 2022 cycle really getting kicked underway in the summer, I think that um, it's going to be hard to fend off some top teams. I haven't heard anything on the Sam Horn, Sam Horn um, trail. I know that they're offering other players. It's just still really early. Um, and I think that a lot of guys are kind of waiting around to see if that dead period is going to be lifted close to the summer. So camps can be attended. Players can go on official visits. They can go visit campuses. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out, um, for the quarterbacks and for really for any of the recruits that Louisville's looking at moving forward. But, um, a great job by Pete Thomas and company to be able to get a quarterback of this quality to come in. Um, you have to assume you know, he's coming in to compete for that starting role. I mean, usually a, a guy of that nature wouldn't necessarily transfer somewhere where they know for certain that they would be the backup. There has to be some possibility that McCaffrey could win the job, and I don't think we'll, we'll really know that until, you know, summer workouts and preseason starts. So um, hopefully he's able to come in and um, – be able to learn the offense quickly and mesh with the other guys, not only in the quarterback room, but in the locker room as a whole. And, um, you know, if he can, you know, even put out a an impact half as much as his brother did on college football, Louisville fans are in for a treat. But um, hopefully, you know, that's not just wishful thinking. Let's transition into basketball. The cards – Recently, with a win over Notre Dame, I got to be honest. I'm not sure if this podcast will be published before the Duke game. I'm recording this on a Thursday evening, so if it gets published before, just know we play Duke. If it gets published after, know that this was um, almost 48 hours re- recorded 48 hours before the Duke game. So the cards right now are projected. Anywhere from a 10 to 11 seed in bracketology, I think somebody even had him as a 12, which kind of appalls me. You know, 12 and 5, uh, technically Louisville doesn't have any quad one wins, but outside of Miami, really no bad losses. And speaking of Miami, a guy that tore up the cards. And, you know, the, it seems like every game Louisville plays, there's always one guy. I'm like, who is this guy? And for me in that Miami game was no other than Matt Cross. Matt Cross tied his career high. A freshman um, small forward had 16 points against the Cards back in January. Um, 
shot four of six from deep and really made the cards pay. He scored in double digits four of his 14 games for the Hurricanes. And, um, you know, usually you're, you're telling, you're, you know, you should be asking, I mean, you know, why, why does this matter? Why are you talking about a guy that, um, you know, we'll, we may never hear about again? Well, that's just not the case. Go ahead and f- get familiar with him. Matt Cross is headed to the Ville. The former top 100 recruit, the 6'7 potential sharpshooter, is now a Cardinal. New Hampshire native, averaged 6.9 points per game in his freshman campaign in South Beach before deciding to transfer. While shooting 6.9, while or while scoring 6.9 points per game, he shot 40% from deep on just over three attempts per game, 87.5% from the free throw line to go along with three rebounds and just under a block and a steal apiece, respectively, per contest. So there, there's a lot to dissect here. For, for starters, um, Cross is a name that um, if, you, if you follow Louisville recruiting, uh, I believe, uh, I'm not sure, I'm not, I'm not a member of the site, but I believe that Jody Dimling of, um, of Cardinal Authority had actually reported that um, Cross was interested in Louisville after he decided to transfer. I had been kind of hearing the same thing. And then about kind of a week ago, um, someone sent me a text saying, you know, there's, there's, there's legs to this, that this could, you know, you could definitely see cross make a decision sooner than later. And Louisville might have their first transfer. And um, you know, what do you know? Matt cross is now coming to the Derby city. Um, In terms of his game. And if you remember the last transfer that came from a Jim Laranega coach player, Luke Hancock, National champion, Final Four most valuable player, Cardinal forever, one of the most beloved in the last decade. Um, if if you know if his if anything bodes well for the Cards, hopefully it's the fact that getting a a six seven, you know, not extremely athletic small forward that is rumored to be a sharpshooter. You know, there's a, a lot of similarities. To hopefully they they are able to transition and translate into the college game at Louisville. But Cross is a player that I think has the – I'm not ready to call him a sharpshooter yet. I'm just not. I think that if you're shooting, you know, 40% from deep, it's a good start. But, uh, you know, he was in a first, second, or maybe even third option down in Coral Gables this past year. So I think that, uh, you know – With any freshman, I think that you have to pump the brakes on calling them a sharpshooter per se. I think, you know, being a quality shooter and a sharpshooter, there is still a considerable difference between the two terms. Like, um, for instance, I I take Quinn Slazinski to be a a quality shooter, but I don't foresee him being a sharpshooter. I think Eric Vanderhagen, a 2020 signee or 2021 signee coming to Louisville is a quality shooter, but I don't think he's a sharpshooter. Um, out of those three, I see Cross having the 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 highest potential of becoming into that sharpshooter range. Just when you go back and look at his film, um, one thing when it comes to shooters, you know, you watch Luke, you watch guys like um, you know Ryan McMahon. Uh, being able to get set, you know, with with very little time to prepare, and being able to square his body and 
be able to fire a shot at the basket with, with um, you know, the, it's a quality shot. Uh, Matt Cross really fits that mold. I think that he takes smart shots. He's got that range to be able to uh, be effective in catch-and-shoot situations, which is good considering the guard play that he will play with here at Louisville. But he's also a guy who can create his own shot off the dribble, and that's very valuable in a sense like Ryan McMahon. So, um, you know, a lot of things that I've seen on Twitter initially um, are asking, you know, Louisville needs a guard. You know, with possible David Johnson going to the league, Carly Jones might not be here. The guys coming in are going to be freshmen. Nickelberry's been hurt uh, and so forth. And, you know, I, I see other people say, well, we already have a sharpshooter. It's Quinn Slazinski. It's Eric Vanderheijen. And here's the thing. While I agree with the first point that we do need a guard, I think that we, we need a guard who is – battle-tested and battle-ready and has played Division One basketball, and that's nothing against the guys coming in or the guys we have coming back. I just think that having a veteran guard step in can do wonders, a la Carly Jones. And I'm not saying that Jones is, you know, a player that can be got in different ways, you know, year in, year out. You, you know, you very seldom get a Carly Jones. You very seldom get a Damian Lee, a Trey Lewis. So, um, yeah, you can't necessarily rely on the transfer market that heavily in that regard. But I will say that I do think Louisville – I would think it would be a smart idea to get a guard. But we'll talk about the scholarship crunch in just a second. When it comes to already having shooters on the court, let's make one thing certain. You can never have too many shooters in college basketball. And when you talk about Louisville, who at times – Everybody on the court can hit threes, and at other times, everyone is ice cold. You really see that problem. And I'm not, this isn't me knocking Quinn Zelzinski, and this isn't me, you know, sliding Eric Vanderheijen in any way. I'm just saying that, you know, Quinn has shown that he can knock down the deep ball, but he hasn't shown that he can be a significant sharpshooter. He, he, he may end up getting there. But right now, he he reminds me of a high-effort player that is able to knock the deep ball down with above-average accuracy. And Eric Vanderheijen, I think, fits that same mold. Matt Cross gives you a different gives you a different trajectory in the sense of you know you watch the two of them play in, in their respective freshman seasons because uh, I consider really this year to be Slazinski's freshman season. Cross looks more comfortable in being able to create his own shot and not having to really, you know, rely on someone setting him up. But, however, I do think Slazinski is going to be a very quality shooter here for the Ville. But, regardless, even if Quinn reaches that sharpshooter level, like I, like I said, and it needs to be hammered home, you can never have enough shooters in college basketball. It's just the facts. Are you with your mama? I don't care. It is the facts. You can never have too many shooters because when you look at teams that go on to win the national title, they don't just have one guy that can knock down the deep ball with extreme accuracy. I mean, you you name me one national title team in the past 10 years, past 20 years, and I'll name you two or three guys on that team that could be labeled as, you know, great shooters. So, I mean... Let's let's just call a spade a spade. You can never have too many shooters. But the scholarship crunch is where things get interesting. As of right now, 
Louisville did not have any scholarships for next year. Now, note that the seniors who elect to take another to elect to come back as a part of the of the free COVID year, they do not count against the scholarship number. So Charles Mendlin, Carly Jones, Malik Williams do not count against next year's Louisville or next year's Cardinal scholarship count, assuming that they decide to come back. If if you're making me choose right now on February 25th, who I think comes back, I think Malik Williams is is a 80 20 percent chance of coming back. I think he comes back. Uh, Carly Jones, I personally think is a 50 50. If he comes back, Louisville's trajectory is is exponentially higher. But if he doesn't, you know. It is what it is. Charles Minlin, personally, I don't know. I, I think he's in the 50-50 range as well. Um, he hasn't really shown too much after coming back from a knee injury, but who, if, if anyone listening to this has ever had a knee injury, you know how tough it is to be able to not only get yourself back in shape, but just try to get yourself back in the, good, in the right mental state. So we'll see um, if he can pick it up towards the end of the season. So... Um, really right now, um, you know, Matt Cross technically does not have an open scholarship, but I will tell you to whoever's listening that David Johnson is likely as good as gone. And this was kind of determined before the season. And, um, if, if this is just kind of common sense, he was kind of almost on the fence of going last year after getting some good draft review, decided to come back. It was, it's just one of those cases to where, uh, a player's on the fence of coming back to school. He comes back, then the next season, it's almost like you know that he's going to go. David Johnson has found his name in a handful of first-round mock drafts and big boards. It's you know, it, it's almost certain that he's gone. So that would theoretically open up the the scholarship for Cross. Now, whether another scholarship opens up, I have no clue. Um, you know, there's a couple players that. I think you could monitor if you wanted to potentially talk about another scholarship opening up. Um, you know, Aiden Agayon and Josh Nickelberry are, are the players that um, come to mind first when I think of possible guys who could transfer out with, you know, if, if Malik does come back, you know, you have Gabe Wisnitzer, um, Jalen Withers, and J.J. Trainer also in the front court. And then you also have a guy like a top 100 player like Roosevelt Wheeler coming in. Aiden Nagayon could find himself buried down the depth chart. Now, I know that he's had some injuries. I, I believe, I, I, I can't confirm, uh, but I, I feel like if I remember correctly, I felt like he had COVID and had struggled with um, the battle with it and getting conditioned again, which a couple Louisville players had. Uh, but I can't confirm that. But regardless, you know, he's his two years here. He, I think, he had the shoulder injury last year. I think he's had the groin injury this year. I think he's battling an illness as we speak, or having done so recently. But um, that's a possibility. Although, you know, I think that you know the ship has definitely not sailed, and he could have a potential future of impact ball here at the Ville. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. He should transfer. Don't take it as that. I'm just talking about possible candidates that if they were to transfer, I wouldn't necessarily be too surprised. Another guy who's been hurt the, his two years here, Josh Nickelberry, uh, showed showed a little bit of promise when he got it earlier this season, but hasn't been able to stay healthy. 
Um, if Carl Leak does decide to come back along with Menlin, and you have guys like Ellis, L. Ellis, Bobby Pettiford Jr., Matt Cross, all these guys in, in the backcourt, you know, Nickelberry could seek playing time elsewhere. Like I said, not predicting it, not wishing it, not saying it should happen. I'm just saying that, you know, of the possible names that if, if a scholarship was to open, it would probably be one of those two guys that I would look at would be the culprits. But, um, yeah, there, it's going to be an interesting next couple of weeks, and we will we will see how things how the cookie crumbles as they say here in the Derby City. So the last segment I wanted to talk about um, was just to highlight some guys in the next classes, mainly 2023 um, in the in the Kentucky basketball realm that I think that Louisville if they're not already looking at it, definitely should be. And a lot of these guys, I'm pretty sure that they most, most for the most part are. Um, and it really starts out with uh, Louisville Mill high school sensation, Caleb Glenn, um, the six, seven small forward is um, a top 40 player in the class. And uh, for those who don't know, I, I do PA announcing work um, for various schools and, um, uh, different um, programs here in Louisville. Uh, male basketball is one of them, my alma mater. So I've seen Caleb play firsthand the past two seasons uh, quite often. Um, he has definitely beefed up, um, has added a ton of muscle. The ball handling has improved along with the, the deep ball. Um, his shooting form you know, for guys of that size and who play down low in high school, you always worry about how they translate to shooting at the next level. Um, the the shot form, it doesn't have any mechanical issues. I mean, it's it's pretty smooth for his size. I think he will continue to add to his offensive arsenal in his toolkit uh, on that end of the floor. Um, it, it's just from this year, from last year to this year, it's night and day. Looks extremely comfortable. Gets double teamed a lot, and uh, he's averaging right near twenty and ten a game. I mean, he is absolutely um, tearing up competition. Mail is on a a COVID pause right now, so they'll miss the Louisville Invitational tournament, which is a bummer. But um, you know, since Glenn has started his sophomore campaign, he's just been um, you know he's been a force to be reckoned with. Uh, Louisville has shown interest in Caleb. And uh, they will most likely continue to do so. This is a guy that I think they cannot let escape the city. They can't let him go elsewhere. They have to put the full court press on him, you know, literally and figuratively, to get him to come to the Ville. He, you know, he's in that six five six seven range. Projects as a small forward. Plays as kind of like a a, a stretch for it male. Um, really plays more so down low just because he's virtually unguardable in the high school ranks so far. Uh, so he, he's a guy that uh, although he plays down low because he's taller than everyone else on the court at this level, I think that his skill set with it being with him, with it growing with him being able to hand the handle the basketball, you know, the growth there has been exponential. He's become a better shooter. Um, his vision has gotten better. He's, uh, I think, one of the most underrated aspects about his game is how se- unselfish he is on the court. He is a quality passer for his role, and I think that um, you know he he projects as a stretch four 
a small like a like a, a small ball five or a stretch four at at the next level. I'll say at level like he's committed at the next level. And uh, but that that all is assuming you know he stays at this size. He's grown about two inches since last year, and it'll be interesting to see if he grows any more. The next guy to talk about is um, a couple miles away over at Ballard, 6'5 shooting guard Gabe Sisk. He's a player that um, just picked up an offer from Rick Patino, Rick Patino's Iona Gales. Um, he's been lighting it up as well with Ballard's starting point guard Jack Edelin, who's also in that 2023 class with him uh, being out for the season with injury. Sisk has really had to step up, although he does have the help of uh, Maker Barr, who also holds an Iona um, scholarship. He's a 6'9 junior. You have a lot of other guys, DJ Tilford, Shante Marrero, uh, Keno Hayden. I mean, you name it, Ballard is right up there with Mayo in terms of overall talent. Um, but Sisk has really been the uh, the catalyst for that you know, brewing engine in the fact that um, he, he, he's showing that he can be a three level scorer and a potential sharpshooter, a guy who can create his own shot from deep. And he's got solid handles being the six, five size um, looks like a prototypical, you know, shooting guard in college. And I think if, you know, if he continues this upward trajectory, if, if AAU ball is allowed in the summer and he has a good summer, you could see him pop up on the Cardinal uh, radar. I'm not sure that he's on it just yet, but I definitely think that he could possibly get there. Um, for most Kentucky fans, they know former son of Wild, former or former Wildcat, son of a former Wildcat. I don't know. I'm saying former son, like he's not the son anymore. Son of the former Wildcat, Jeff Shepard, uh, Reed Shepard, a point guard in the 2023 class over at North Laurel, has had multiple 50. Yeah, yes, 50 point triple double efforts this season he has been tearing up the competition which a lot of people think is um why we see his stats inflated kind of like Dante Allen and I, I agree I don't think that um he's on Glenn's level but I think he's uh on in a tier above Gabe Sisk but Reed, there's no doubt about it that um Reed Shepard at at kind of in the 6-2 range is a player that Louisville um should be looking at if they frankly aren't already a great vision for his position. Um, you know, makes everyone on the court better. He's very unselfish with the basketball, which I mean, if you look at the 50 point, you know, outings, you would think, how's he unselfish? Well, he's, you know, he's had multiple games where he's, you know, gone upwards of 15 assists. He's just a, a do it all type of guy, you know, just, just, just kind of like a David Johnson, not of the build that DJ has, but just the overall impact. Reed Shepard is also likely to end up a top 100 player, maybe even top 50. Um, but it'll be interesting to see um, if he can lead North World to the state tournament and see how they do there. That'll really um, be able to tame some doubts on that end. Another guy who, and this will probably be the last one we talk about tonight, uh, George Washington the third, great name. If we're recruiting off names alone, hire him up. I mean, it's a it's a great name. Uh, he's the son of uh, George Washington the second, who is the head coach over at Mercy Academy. In his first season, um, they came from Texas. Uh, Washington took the job at Mercy. 
Um, his son is now playing basketball at Christian Academy of Louisville over an English station, over off English Station Road. Um, he's a guy in, in that 6'5 range that, like Gabe Sisk, has shown that he can create his shot off the bounce, can shoot it in a catch-and-shoot catch situation, has playmaking ability for his size, and it's one of those guys that it's it's you almost have to double-team, or if you don't, he's going to score 30 on your team, which he's done multiple times this year. Cal, had, the, the Centurions have taken a step forward and really um, – you know, solidified themselves as maybe not a top team in the in the seventh region, which is the best basketball region in the state, but uh, definitely a, a team that could make a run, a dark horse to come out of that, um, you know, out of the gauntlet. But uh, George Washington the third is another guy to watch, like Sisk, who you know, having you know produced at such a high level this season, you know, at, you know they're only sophomores, you know, all four of them. They both, they all four really, um, they all four really affect the games in different ways. You know, you have Glenn, who's more of your traditional big at the high school level, but projects as more of a small forward at at those at this level or at the college level. Reed Shepard, who's a a very all around solid point guard, and then Sisk in Washington, who look to be prototypical two guards with their already mature 6'5 size and possible, you know, growth coming. But um, not only that, but just the the very advanced offensive arsenal and scoring repertoire that both possess. And uh, if anybody listening, I know that it's hard to go see them play right now if you're not family because most athletic directors and schools aren't allowing more than family and a couple guests uh, I highly recommend purchasing a month subscription of um, NFHS that allows streaming for the games. I know that some people have had some issues, but overall, you get to see these guys in action. And um, it really costs, I think, like $11 a month, which in, in a sense is like purchasing a ticket for for two games. So you can definitely uh, get to see them play multiple times. Um, and you definitely won't be disappointed either. But um, that's going to do it all for us here tonight. Um, just over the 30-minute mark, not too long of an episode. I promise, though, there will be some more consistency coming up, just trying to get some guests lined up, trying to get some um, some topic ideas, and frankly, just waiting for some more recruiting news. But um, we we're blessed with some tonight. Um, if you or someone you know is – interested in coming on and being a guest host of the Red Chips podcast with me, be sure to send myself a personal DM or you can DM the state of Louisville and or um, the Red Chips podcast Twitter. Once again, I'm at Dpence underscore at Red Chips podcast for the personalized Twitter podcast page at the state of Lou. That's at the state of L-O-U for the state of Louisville. Be sure to check out all the great content from the pink from the pink seats. Has been a great podcast to listen to for, for all your football needs. Matt McGavick has had Dan McDonald on his first episode of Third and Central with more former baseball players said to join there. If you're looking to get more film study on Luke McCaffrey that we talked about earlier, Jacob Lane, um, co founder of the state of Louisville 
published a great piece yet uh, two days ago about the um, stuff to like and stuff to work on for Luke McCaffrey. Really breaks it down well with some clips to watch. So be sure to check that out. You can find that link at thestateofwilville.com or you can go to the State of Louisville Twitter page and it is retweeted on there. Um, and once again, I'm Dalton Pence and um, signing off. Until we meet again.